0: Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan's magical football season came to a crashing halt in the playoff semifinals. We talk about what went wrong in the season as a whole and update you on Michigan's winter sports coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys. Well, good to be talking to you. It's been several episodes without me. I hope our listeners have, have enjoyed the two man pod from Florida. You guys got back safely. We did. Yeah, we did.
1: I think I got back easier than Ryan, but yes, we both made it back.
2: Yes, you did. I was quite, at first I thought he was crazy for like not sleeping the night of the game and going straight to the airport. But then after my 12, 13, 14 hour travel day uh, after leaving later in the day, I'm kind of kind of envy Aaron for getting home early, but we did both get back and, uh, there's some snow on the ground in Ann Arbor.
1: Yeah, when you've been doing sure. this long enough, you start to learn when and uh, how to travel. And I think I've I've figured it out by now.
0: A savvy vet, Aaron McMahon. That's why they call him 1A. So listen, the Michigan football team lost to Georgia 34-11 to in the college football playoff semifinal at the Orange Bowl. Game was uh, kind of not close from the start. Georgia got the ball to start. They scored a touchdown. They then scored another touchdown. Next thing you know, it's 27 to three at half. Michigan, you know, finally gets a touchdown late in the game to avoid that fate, but it was, it was just a dominant effort. And I don't know, I kept going back to Ryan's story earlier, you know, well before the game talking about the recruiting rankings on these two rosters. And I I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but Michigan had like four or five five star guys and Georgia had like 25. I don't, I don't know. if it was, I think it
2: was like 17, but it was the most in the country. They had the most five star players on the roster of any other team in the nation.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, four stars was a pretty big gap too. And I mean, that's just what it looked like in this game.
1: Yeah. Stars matter, right? Is that the saying? Like, <laughs> and I, I think it, you know, showed on, on Friday night, you know, Georgia just had better talent, better players on both sides of the ball. They had the better game plan. You know, we talked about defensively, at least Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo needing to step up and getting Stetson Bennett. They didn't really have an opportunity to do it. Georgia got rid of the ball quickly. They hit some big plays, got up early and that wrote like she wrote it like it was over. <laughs> and by halftime it's what, 27 to three. Michigan couldn't score. They couldn't couldn't stop Georgia. Stetson Bennett, I think, played, you know, arguably, you'd probably say one of the best games of his career. They were just no match, for the Bulldogs.
2: I think I fell in, into the trap of like, I mean, talking to other Georgia folks at the game, I mean, they were saying like all this narrative was how bad Stetson Bennett is and how Georgia needs to make a change. And then like, I mean, I still picked Georgia to win, but it was only by a field goal. And then all these Georgia fans and, and some of the reporters are like, yeah, I think Michigan has a good shot to win. Stetson Bennett's terrible. It needs to be JT Daniels. And then he goes out there and I'm like, you guys are complaining about this guy. I mean, Oh my gosh, he can move. He threw some great deep balls. I mean, obviously it was, it was a lot of the quick passing game, but still when he dropped back, he was, he aired out a couple dimes to some running backs, tight ends. It didn't matter who. So I'm like, this guy is good. Or at least he played really well on Friday. And, and yeah, I think we're, a lot of people were wrong in their predictions. That's for sure.
1: It seemed like everyone was like a lot of the Michigan writers had Georgia winning, a lot of the Georgia writers had Michigan winning, and and I think I said it for all week. I'm like I didn't know what to make of this game. I wouldn't surprise, and I was telling people this. I wouldn't have surprised me if either team won this game. Now, I didn't foresee Georgia running away with this game early, yeah. uh, just like I wouldn't have expected Michigan to run away with it early. But it is what it is. Georgia was a better team. We said it all season long. You know, Georgia was number one, ranked number one for. Eleven of the twelve weeks, or whatever it was, that team showed up Friday night in Atlanta, earned in uh, Miami.
0: Yeah, in hindsight, maybe just put too much stock into that game against Alabama instead of actually looking at the previous twelve games and saying, I guess that's who Georgia was because that's certainly who they were on Friday night. You know, Michigan, there was no one or two plays that were going to change the outcome of this game, which I think made it easier, you know, for Jim Harbaugh to kind of swallow and 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 speak about this game, but. This wasn't the Michigan team we saw for 13 games either. Let's not pretend that this was Michigan's best game of the season. It was their worst. And they looked nothing like the team they had, especially you know in the previous two games against Ohio State and Iowa, because you just look at some things that had they've done well all season. You know, the offensive line, protecting the quarterback and creating holes for the running backs. That did not happen. Neither of those things happened on Friday. And then you mentioned Ajabo and Hutchinson getting to the quarterback no sacks and and not even that many hurries on Friday. And then the third thing is just like all these other little things, like the running backs that did, did are running back have a fumble for Michigan all season. I mean, I don't recall one. Oh, Edwards, Edwards, Donner, had one. Yeah, Edwards, Edwards had one, but not, not, not either the big two and Corum has one uh, on Friday. Cade McNamara smart decisions all year. I mean, the one touchdown into the end zone was just like, ah, I'm just going to throw it up and see what happens. So there were just Little things like that throughout the
1: game that you hadn't seen from Michigan all year. No, you nailed it. I mean, uncharacteristic mistakes. And I think I said this in the lead-up to the game. The team that made the more mistakes was probably the one that was going to lose, and Michigan made a bunch. Yeah. And when you when that compiles, and you do that against a really good team like Georgia that doesn't give up many points to begin with, and then scores 27 in the first half, you don't stand a chance. And Michigan, by, the, by halftime, didn't. I, I think the writing was on the wall at that point. You nailed it. You know, Jim Harbaugh after the game said that you know we didn't play our best game, and Georgia played one of their best, and that's yep. that's the result. This is a tough spot for Michigan because I think coming in, a lot of folks were just happy that they were there. No, I I, I will say, you know, obviously, if you're there, you do absolutely want to win it, right? But when you look at the body of work Michigan had done all season long, they were expected to be here. The the low expectations coming into the year. You know, it was hard to be mad about that one after after the end of the game. You know, they had so many things go right for them all season long, you know, and then it all comes kind of crashing down at the end. It's easier to get mad or upset if this was a close game or one yeah. call when didn't go your way, whereas this was just a blow off from the very beginning.
2: Yeah, very much so. And and Andrew mentioned Ojabo and Hutchinson. I mean, for Ojabo, he didn't even really get a chance to get on the field much because Georgia was so good on first and second down. There was no pass rushing situations on third down for or second down for Ojabo to, to be in there. I mean, Georgia was picking up chunk yardage almost every play. And yeah, I mean, Ojabo only played 26 of 69 snaps. And I mean, he's your, he's your number two pass rusher, one of your best players. And when George is moving the ball so effectively early on in sets of downs, it just, it was just a a rough, rough game for, for both sides of the ball for the Wolverines. And yeah, Aaron, like you said, Michigan should be happy. They, they got there. But I mean, if you're a fan, you're probably a little bit disappointed that they weren't at least competitive on, on the
1: biggest stage. One more thing, too, on the Ajabo and Hutchinson thing. If you go back and watch the film, it, it was clear as day that was the game plan. Stetson Bennett was getting rid of the football quick. You know, they weren't giving them much time to get to the the, the quarterback. And like you said, Ajabo wasn't on the field much to begin with because they weren't in those pass rushing third and long situations yeah. Michigan craved so much. And then if you go back and watch the tape, too, I mean, they were doing a very good job at, at, at blocking Aiden. I mean, it was... Not only the tackle, but they're chipping with the t- tight end or running back, and they're doing it effectively. He was he had a really tough time getting past the first and second level. Whereas if you go back and watch some of these bigger games, whether it's Ohio State or Iowa, it just wasn't the case. So Georgia came in with a very good game plan. They executed it perfectly. You know Michigan's strengths were neutralized, and when you do that, you know Michigan's defense looks average to below average, and that's what happened Friday night.
0: Yeah, they were able to get you know linebackers and, and defensive backs in tough one-on-one situations that they hadn't really faced much of the year because, you know, the backside of this defense was still not elite, I didn't think, all year. But, you know, you can mask some of that when you get to the quarterback. And then on the other side of the ball, I don't know if there were a lot of plays where some of Michigan's fastest players were getting caught by, like defensive linemen, I mean, some large men that could run. I mean, it was, and some of the hits in this game. I mean, it seemed like almost any time a Michigan player did get into the open field, whether it was a running back or or a quarterback, ooh, they took a pop that you know you you could hear. Uh, you know, I'm sure at the stadium and on TV and everything else. It was it was an impressive game, and you know now sets up a national championship that. I and I'm guessing many fans across the country could not care less about Uh, I mean if you're a Michigan fan I guess you want to see Georgia finish the job but you know a rematch of a game we saw not all that long ago you know two teams that have been in it recently an Alabama team that wins it every other year it's just yikes this is not not
1: an intriguing national championship matchup. A rematch of a game that wasn't even close either. Right. It wasn't even like it was like down to the wire. So, like, what happens if and I was thinking about this the other day. What happens if Georgia wins this game? I mean, obviously, Which when I think they champ- will. Yeah, if they but they win the national championship, but it's like it's one-one. You almost yeah, you almost want to play a third game. I don't I'm sure no one no, really wants to see it, but it, so it's so like funny. but it's like then you got both teams have a win, you know? It's like yeah, I don't know no,
0: exactly. That's what makes it, yes, it makes it tricky. I mean but you could kind of see this coming in with these two playoff semifinals. That this was a, there was a chance for this happening. Yeah, I, I did see a stat. The last time there's been four other times where two AP top five teams have played uh, twice in the same season. So they were you know both top five in both matchups. And in all four previous times, the team that lost the first game won the rematch in a blowout. Now. Oh. This is the only time where the first game wasn't close. Usually, the first game was within one score. Uh, in this case, Alabama won won pretty handily. But every time, the other team came back and won in a blowout. Most recently, well, Clemson Notre Dame last year, but you saw with Alabama in 2011 over LSU, losing nine to six in the regular season, and then then winning 21 nothing. I think in the in the national championship, so that bodes well for Georgia, a very motivated team. Alabama without a wide receiver that it had in that game against Georgia. I don't know. I can definitely see why Georgia is is favored just as they were, you know, in the first matchup. But we'll see any parting thoughts on Michigan because Aaron and and I think you hit it on the head as far as, you know, it's disappointing to lose like that in your final game. But, you know, the season like they exercise so many demons this season. You know, they beat Ohio State. They won the Big Ten. They bring a lot back next year. Like there's a lot to be hopeful about. And it's like, all right, you, you climbed one mountain. Now the next one is is getting to that level of Alabama and Georgia, which you're, you got plenty of company
1: not reaching that level, but they're they're on their way. Yeah, I mean, Jim got the monkey off his back. Everyone who was, who was criticizing and wondering if this was going to happen, he did it. I mean, not only did he beat Ohio State, but they actually won the Big Ten Championship. So there's a lot to like there. And the, the next task is trying to figure out how to get back to the playoff and not only getting back there, but winning it. Uh, that might be a little bit more difficult. But they're certainly positioned. I mean, they, they got like you mentioned, they've got some guys they expect coming back. They are going to lose some talent. They're gonna, some guys we have to fill, uh, fill especially on the defensive side of the ball. But they, they, they kept, after the game, they kept talking about the foundation they had built mm-hmm. and the leadership that had grown from this and just the camaraderie this team has developed all season long. And I've been on this beat since 2017, and I haven't seen the, the everyone wants to talk about culture. I guess I'll use the word culture, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen that that so successful. You know, as as this year, I mean, it was it was it was clear as day from the get go. It continued as the season went on, obviously winning has a lot to do with that, but you can't win winning without culture either. So mm-hmm. it should parlay nicely into 2022, whether they can duplicate what they did this year. I don't know, but I certainly think there's going to be some more optimism and more folks talking good about Michigan in the offseason than than last year.
2: Yeah, I think I mean we were together how many days in, in uh in South Florida? I mean in, in Too the, long.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I, I mean like a, a popular discussion point among beat writers for, for multiple outlets was was next year. And it's like you look at the schedule next year, they, they could easily be heading into that Ohio State game. I know it's early, but they could easily be undefeated heading into that game. I mean, their non-conference schedule isn't very good. Like mean, Colorado State, Hawaii, and Utah, I think. Uh, I mean, you get Penn state at home, you don't play Wisconsin. I mean, this is, this is a a schedule that is very winnable, at least on paper right now for, for Michigan. So yeah, there there will be an opportunity to continue what they built this year, but again, a lot, I mean, look how how the preseason projections were this year for the big 10 East and, and how they transpired. So I guess you never really know, but it looks like Michigan should be in pretty decent shape heading into 2022.
0: September third, twenty twenty-two, Colorado State visits the Big House. That will be the next Michigan football game. We'll have to discuss. And so we turn the page to a new year and some new sports. I know a lot of fans now turn re, officially shift their focus to, you know, their winter sport of choice. For many, that is men's basketball. Uh, that team is seven and five, well outside the top twenty-five, not getting any votes. Coming off a loss on Thursday in Orlando to UCF, 85-71, completely fell apart in the second half, let UCF shoot 72% from the floor, made all eight of their threes in the second half, and they lose, 85-71, dropped to 7-5, and five, non-conference chapter of the season over. Big Ten play resumes tomorrow night, Tuesday night, at Rutgers, not at the Rack at Jersey Mike's Arena, as it's now called. So we'll see. That's uh, then Michigan State, Purdue, Illinois. Like, it gets... It gets real pretty quick for Michigan, a Michigan team that needs to play a lot better than it has if it wants to, you know, try to defend its Big Ten title. There's issues on this team, starting with the defense. They have long stretches or key stretches almost in every game where they they are not, you know, engaged on that end. And then that hurts their offense because this team just does not have enough, you know, skill at that end of the floor to make up for defense. Like they need to have the defense turn into offense. And it just, it just didn't happen in the last game. And it's been happening far too, you know, frequently over the first couple months of the year.
2: You're talking about defending a Big Ten title, shouldn't we be talking about is this a a NCAA tournament team at this point?
0: Absolutely. I mean, right, it's it's interesting. I think when you're like in the range Michigan is, you you think like, oh geez, they're they're probably not in or whatever. But like look around the country every year. Like go back and look at previous brackets. Like the not even the last teams in, but like those eight, nine, 10 seeds, like they're pretty average. Like that's just, that's just how it is. I mean, you know, there's just not enough good, good teams to go around. So like, you know, Joel and did have a bracketology that came out after Michigan's loss to UCF. Michigan was a nine seed. I mean, that's not, and that's not taken into account anything they did in the preseason. Um, It's solely like what they've done so far. So like they're in right now, but yeah, not, not in great shape. I mean, you know, you figure you need like a 500 record in the Big Ten that that should do it, and I don't know. That's kind of what they're looking at right now. The way they've just been so up and down, so we shall see. We'll, we'll see if they can turn it around again. It starts Tuesday uh, at Rutgers. You know, the women's team, however, they are rolling. You know, and now up to number eight in the country, 12 and one overall. I think we talked about that Baylor win on a previous podcast. They came back on New Year's Eve. Ohio State, which was which was ranked at the time, they crushed them. I mean, they are up twenty for a good chunk of the, the second half. They end up winning by by nineteen ninety to seventy one. Just dominated a you know somewhat undermanned uh, Ohio State team with some some injuries, but still a good a good team. Uh, just blew them out. And now you know they're now into their Big Ten schedule as well. They play Tuesday also at Nebraska. Uh, then Rutgers comes to Chrysler on Sunday, and and they get going from there. You know, some of the bigger matchups don't come until a little later down the road. Maryland, Indiana, Iowa. But yeah, this Michigan team looks particularly deep. That's kind of the difference from some of the previous year's teams. They don't rely solely on Naz Hillman, even though she's been great. It'll be interesting to see when Amy Dilk comes back. Like they've got a nice little vibe going, but sure can't hurt to add a veteran, uh, you know, point guard into the mix. So that's where they stand at this point. We've got other sports too. I know, I know Zook probably had his eye on hockey. Aaron and I had to give an update without you the, the last time we talked hockey. And thankfully there was nothing to give. They had not played since the last time you, you talked about them, So we didn't uh-huh. have to say much. Have they played since or what, what's their status?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, while we were in Florida, I mean, hockey was kind of an afterthought at this sure. point. I mean, they had the, the Great Lakes Invitational, which yep. first time, in, I, don't, I think maybe possibly ever or a while that it hasn't been in Detroit, mm-hmm. but don't really, they, they played one game. The, on, on the 29th against Michigan Tech, they tied. But like even before they played that game, they announced that the Western Michigan game was canceled. So I, I found it kind of confusing why they kind of pre-planned that, that Western game. It sounded like it was mutual to not play out of possibly COVID concerns. But yeah, they've only had one game hmm. since then. And it was a tie against Michigan Tech. Obviously, Michigan was missing a, a lot of key players who were at the world junior championships, which also was canceled. So uh, really unfortunate for, I think, I mean, four or five mission players that were, that were competing for team USA and, and team Canada. So yeah, they don't, they don't get back on the ice until this weekend against the UMass and then return to big 10 play January 14th and 15th at home against Penn state. But yeah, I mean, still a, a really good season so far, 14 and six. Yeah. I mean, so in the in good position, and we'll we'll see if they can can build on that when uh when the second season second half of the season begins this weekend.
0: That's our uh, sort of winter sports update here, and that'll be kind of the focus of of podcast going forward while still keeping an eye on the football team. We can kind of close with that you know for for both of you guys like what are things that could happen we should be looking for in the next couple of weeks I, I I imagine you know. Transfers, uh, NFL draft departures, possible coaching changes—those are those are usually the big ones. But yeah, what what in particular might might happen in uh, in the near future?
1: Yeah, the coaching thing is typically a big thing right about now. That usually the carousel is is winding or going around quickly. That isn't the case at this point. Most of the head coaching jobs in college football have pretty much been settled. There are systems that are moving. I think it so far it's relatively quiet on the Michigan front. Josh Gaddis's name has come up. He came up for the or-, or the Virginia job that has since been filled. So at this point, I it would not surprise me if Jim Harbaugh goes into 2022 with this, with the same exact coaching staff, which is probably a good thing for for camaraderie and everything else. Um but yeah, departures are going to be a big thing here in the next couple of weeks. It looks to be that Eric All is coming back. I haven't gotten definitive word yet, but he he posted something on Instagram the other day without saying he was coming back, certainly signaled that he was coming back. Um, but we're waiting on decisions from a multitude of guys. Um, David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson. Obviously, we expect to leave Dax and Hill. I suspect will leave as well. So we'll see. As I mentioned, Michigan's probably gonna have some holes to fill on the defensive side of the ball more so than the offensive side. So we'll see. And drafts coming up at the end of April. Aiden Hutchinson's name is still expected to be, uh, you know, bandied about in the top five. Despite the, you know, the, the lackluster performance Friday night. So a lot to look forward to here in the next couple of months. It doesn't really stop. And then, you know, before we know it, spring practice gets going shoot probably mid mid-March.
0: There you have it. So that's that's what we'll be looking forward to and and talking about in future episodes, as well as, you know, kind of really focusing on on basketball and, and hockey. Well, good to be talking with you guys again. Thank you to our listeners for for sticking with us through the year 2021 and now into 2022. So Happy New Year to you all. And thanks for listening.